So it was uh, May of 1970. The Vietnam War was uh, just becoming more and more of a, a concern on, on so many levels. The, uh, I guess it was the CIA, they, uh, they were taking these pictures, these drone photos in uh, North Vietnam, and they saw this, had pictures of this uh, prisoner of war camp that was being constructed. It was pretty much, it was almost complete. This village was called uh, Sun Te. That's where uh, this camp was. And it wasn't too far, it was only about 25 miles from the capital of the city, uh, capital of the country, Hanoi. And there was growing concern here in the States about POWs and their treatment. Um, word of what was happening, I guess, was, was being leaked to the press, and the press was reporting it. So just concerns about torture and uh, starvation, medical treatment being denied, terrible stuff. Um, so they're studying these pictures, and they're taking them apparently over weeks, um, these drone, these satellite-type pictures. And uh, they're noticing at this camp there are uniforms, POW uniforms, that are being laid out on the ground. And they were there, they were, the reason they're laying on the ground is they're drying. They're, they, they were, well, that's what they, they figured was going on. They were drying them in the, in the sun. And they didn't really think much about it. It just seemed like that's what was going on. But they, uh, I guess these experts continued to just really study these photos. And they realized every time a picture was taken, different days, these clothes were li laid out in this same kind of formation on the ground. Something that if you were walking by it, like you wouldn't even notice it, but from above, they noticed something. And what these POWs were doing was they were trying to communicate uh, with us, with the, the American government. I guess there's this, uh, kind of like this code, not, you know, it's not Morse code, but I guess like a, something related where you can, you can communicate something in these like simple singular letters. So a certain letter means more than that letter, if you know this code. So they figured it out. Some guy just after looking, he was looking at like, you know, he's got like five pictures in a row over the course of five weeks and he's like, my God, like these, these uniforms are all lined up the same way. And what, it's, they was, what it said was, come get us. That's what these POWs were trying to communicate to home. Come get us. And they did. Or they tried to. This raid was organized. It was called the, uh, the Sun Te Raid. And it's this kind of amazing rescue mission that was put together. It was like all the branches of the military. They would look for volunteers, like just like the best. And they got uh, 100 that they needed for this mission. All ranks, like I said, all branches of the government. They trained them in Florida for a couple of months. And they built this... Uh, 
like a replica of the camp so that they would, it would be very familiar when they got there. These volunteers agreed to this mission without even knowing what it was. They weren't, it was top secret. So they didn't even know where they were going. And when they were ultimately selected, these hundred, they were asked to make out a will. Like that's how dangerous this thing was gonna be. Um, the details are incredible. They had helicopters, these uh, planes, and they even had aircraft carriers. What they did with the aircraft carriers were they, they sent them and they were off the coast and they just start shooting uh, missiles kind of nowhere to create a diversion so that all of the North Vietnamese would go there where, where the aircraft carriers are going and that at exactly that time, these helicopters are coming in where the camp is. They got in. They made it in and it was almost flawless. They, one guy had a broken ankle, no casualties, but also no prisoners. They searched the place and the prisoners were gone. The North Vietnamese had moved them. Not because they knew about this mission, it was just a bad coincidence. There was a flood in this camp a couple of, a week or two before, so they moved them out. So they never got them. Um, it was kind of heartbreaking. It was so successful uh, tactically. In fact, they said that the, uh, the Bin Laden raid this was used as a model for the Bin Laden raid. That's how well it, it worked. But we didn't, we didn't get them. But they also said that word spread among these POWs at other camps, and they found out that we had come for them. And they said the, uh, the hope that that created for these guys, like you couldn't even measure it because they were beginning to think that they'd been forgotten. And in this moment, hearing about this raid, even though it wasn't a success, they realized they weren't alone and that we were coming for them. Come get us. I mean, I think that's what today is. It's come get us. It's God coming for us, coming to the rescue. Did you hear this story? I heard this yesterday on the news, this kid, sixth grader in Oklahoma, he was in, this was about three weeks ago, he's in, in school, in class, and a classmate of his comes running into his room, and he's choking, he can't breathe, he tried to take a, he had a water bottle, and he tried to take the cap off with his teeth, he did, but then he swallowed the cap, or half swallowed it. So he's choking. And this kid gets up, he runs over, gets behind them, and he performs the Heimlich. And the cap shoots out of his mouth, and he saves him. Four hours later, the rescuer, the kid, is going home. And there's a house on fire. Like, a serious house fire. fire Fire department is there, and they're kind of focusing on this one part of the house. Well, on the other side, 
This kid hears and sees this elderly woman who's in the house trying to get out. She's a, she's a, she has a walker, she's kind of disabled, and she can't get out, and this kid runs in and rescues this woman. This happens in one day, and the kid was 11 years old. It's like, who is this kid? Talk about rescue. Come get us. Why do we have Christmas? I think because we need it to be gotten. Because we're like those POWs, unfree. Can you think about a part, just a, just a piece of who you are, a part of your life, which really isn't where you'd like it to be? Like you're not free. Like you're sort of handcuffed emotionally in some aspect. And you just like it to be better. You kind of feel almost like a POW. It's like, I can't forgive this person for whatever he or she did. I just can't, I'm like, I'm handcuffed. I'm like a POW, I can't, why can't I let go of this? Or I can't trust people. Or there's some, there's some cross that I need to be following, or carrying rather, but I'm not. Like it's just, it's tough, and it's heavy, but it's some responsibility that I, I need to be stepping up, and I'm not, because it hurts. And I'm not proud of that. So because of that, I'm not, I'm sort of like a POW. I'm not free. And I'm kind of roaming around. You know what the Bible called it? You know what Isaiah in the Old Testament called it? He called it the land of gloom. It was the first reading. The people who walked in darkness have seen such a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. We all spend time in the land of gloom. You don't have to literally be a POW to know what the land of gloom looks like. I mean, hey, theirs was unique. An experience that you know, none of us could ever know. But that's not the only kind of gloom that exists. It's not the only kind of you know, lack of freedom that comes our way. So what's the rescue? The come get us. It's like we're saying, like, come get us. It's Jesus. It's, he's, called, he's called this wonder counselor, this God hero, this prince of peace. I mean, who doesn't need a, a hero? Who doesn't need a counselor when things aren't clear, when we need direction and we need advice? And we get that from people we love and people we respect, but they're not always right and they're not always here. But God is. Jesus is, and that's, that's what we're celebrating tonight. You know, I mentioned, uh, I guess about a week and a half ago, we had a, a holy hour, kind of a Christmas holy hour down at St. Ignatius, and I mentioned this interview that the, uh, was with the Surgeon General, you know, the top doctor for the nation, and he was talking about, he was like sounding this alarm about young people today, how kids are doing emotionally, psychologically, and it's not good. Like, the stats are kind of frightening. 
He talked about, he said that one in three high school kids feels a persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness. You know, I mean, on one level, it's like, okay, if you've been in high school, like, yeah, who isn't sad sometimes? We're all, we're all sad at times. Hopeless? That gets a little more serious, doesn't it? It's one thing to be sad, it's another to be hopeless. Well, that's up 40% in the last 10 years. Suicide is up 57% over the same time among kids. Like something's not good. Something's not right out there. I don't know, could it be? Gotta be a, a, a gazillion factors. But could one of them be that we're not letting ourselves be rescued? We're not hanging the uniforms out saying, come get us. Like we've forgotten who God is, who Jesus is. I mean, who doesn't know somebody who's kind of just gotten away from God in the last years? And I'm not talking about the, because of the pandemic. Way before that. And these stats among kids, they were all pre-pandemic stats. So, so they're saying, it's gotta be worse even than those numbers in the last year and a half. That's a lot of gloom. That's a land of gloom. I don't want, I wouldn't want my kid to be hopeless. Yeah, but he's come to get us. He's come for us. I was talking to, uh, I was out with a couple of friends a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about, had a, we were talking about Christmas and had a conversation about what we thought was the best Christmas like uh, show. Not movies so much, but like special, TV special. And we were kind of going back and forth and we pretty much came to the conclusion, at least the, the four of us, that it was Rudolph. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rain. Remember that? Came out like in the mid 60s. It was like just, it is, it's a classic. And that was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, it was pre-cable, it was pre, you know, DVD, it was pre, you know, downloading stuff and live streaming. Like, it was on once. It was on once in December. So, like, the whole world stopped to watch, every kid alive watched those awesome shows. Well, that's one of the best. Remember, remember the island of misfit toys? It was like this group of toys that were sort of alive, but they were unwanted. They had been rejected because they really weren't perfect. So they were all on this island of misfit toys and they were sad and mad. It was kind of a terrible, gloomy place. Rudolph shows up and the toys tell him about their story and he says, well, if I get to Santa, I'll tell him and I'll have him come for you. Remember, remember what some of those misfit toys were? Come on, I know you do. Yeah, Rob in the back. Charlie in the box. <laughs> a Charlie in the box, that's right. So it wasn't a Jack in the box, it was a Charlie. It's like, who wants to be a Charlie in the box? No kid wants a Charlie in the box. What else? Huh? Tray, uh, it was a train, a, a caboose with square wheels. 
There was a water gun, a water pistol that shot jelly. There was a cowboy who rode on an ostrich. So they're a mess. They're not really what they were supposed to be. They're imperfect. And Santa Claus comes for them. And if you remember the show, that's his first stop. Before he goes to any house with toys, he goes to this island and he picks up these misfit toys and he brings them to kids who would, will love them. There's a bird that swims, it doesn't fly. There's a boat that doesn't float. All right, I guess we'll go on. <laughs> There's this great quote I read. Dorothy Day was this uh, great Catholic, uh, kind of like this social justice warrior back in the last century. Um, she lived this great, powerful life, inspired to lots of people. In fact, she's, her cause for sainthood, she's gonna be a saint. But she was born into this family where faith really wasn't important. As a result, she kind of, she grew up in the Roaring Twenties in New York City, kind of lived this bohemian, lawless life. The rules didn't really matter. She kind of just did what she wanted to do. God was absent. And she knew something was missing. She didn't feel free. She was self-aware enough to connect those dots. And she saw these Catholics, these people that were kind of living it different, but they were doing it right. And they seemed happy. They seemed free, and she was drawn to them and ultimately converted, and like turned her life around and like did tremendous work for the poor for the rest of her life. Listen to this quote, she talks about Christmas. I'm so glad that Jesus was born in a stable because my soul is so much like a stable. It's far from perfect and it's poor because of guilt and regret and inadequacies and sin. Yet, I believe if Jesus can be born in a stable, Maybe he can also be born in me. In other words, it's like, come get us. Yeah, it's not perfect. You ever feel like a misfit toy? <laughs> when it's just like, I wish, I wish part of who I am was different. I know I could be more than I am. And you're kind of like roaming around the, the land of gloom. I wonder, is there... There has to be a connection, I think, between like those stats about kids and hopelessness and the other stats that we read regularly today about the sort of decrease in faith, people just not praying nearly as much as they used to, people totally checking out from church, people don't even identify with a, a particular religion anymore. Or don't you think there's gotta be some connection? Less God, more hopelessness, less Less prayer, more despair. Come get us. God, come get us because we need to be gotten. 
we need to be rescued. You know, how many, I didn't know about that Vietnam raid story. I had never heard of that story. I don't know how many of you did. I was talking, the reason I found out it was a buddy of mine is this total history buff, especially like military history, and he was telling me about it. And I was like, that's the coolest story. I was like, how come they haven't made a movie about that? How come nobody seems to know about it? And his response was dead on. He said, because we didn't get them. We didn't get them. What part of you needs to be gotten? You ever feel like a POW? You ever feel like you need to be rescued? I do. Come get us. Well, he has. It's called Christmas. Christmas.